Hello, hello, dear friends. Welcome to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom, where I'm joined by none other than Raghu Marcus, who is someone I admire and look up to so much. He is, you know, the host of the Here and Now podcast that features talks from Rang Das, as well as always a ninth, nice, lengthy introduction by Raghu on the topics of the day and the conversation. He also has his own podcast, the Mind Rolling Podcast, which is full of just incredible wisdom from all the great guests that he has on. And he's the executive director of the Love Serve Remember Foundation. And he, I've had the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of getting to know him just briefly, like mildly personally over the past couple years since working on the, the Ram Das East Forest album, all of that coming into the world. So it was a, it was a great treat to connect with him or in this conversation that we had, I think the day after the first debate back in, um, gosh, October now, we're in November. And uh, so this, this it's not too old, just about a month or so out. And, you know, in this show, this episode, we're talking about the feelings that were coming up for us having witnessed such a, um, hmm, I don't know, what, uh, what word can I use right now? Such a just nauseating experience that was the first debate. And then, wow, all that's transpired between now and then, including Joe Biden being the president-elect of the United States and Kamala Harris being the vice president-elect just a couple days after that announcement right now. And I know it is a wave of relief for many of us, but interestingly, not as many of us as we thought with the popular vote showing that nearly half of the country voted for Trump and supported Trump, which I don't know about you, but for me, caused me to question my reality in, you know, I think a a healthy way. Like, what is it that I'm missing that I'm not seeing that so many people are? Like, what is it about my specific limited reality tunnel that makes me feel so sure that this is the way to go and others feel so sure it's a different direction. And so just continuing to sit with that question and be open to all possibilities, you know, even though obviously I voted for Biden and was voting for decency and integrity and inclusion and the idea of unity, knowing that Obviously, it's not a magic pill, and there will be many disappointments to come and hardships and challenges. It reminds me of, you know, the fable of the the farmer whose son found a wild horse, and the town said, "That's so great." And the town and the farmer said, "Well, we'll see." And then the farmer's son broke his leg training the horse, and the town said, "That's terrible." And the uh, the farmer said, well, we'll see. And then the army came through recruiting and they couldn't take the sun. And the town said, that's great. And the farmer said, well, we'll see. You know, it's one of those moments we're going to see what actually comes to fruition. And like always, 
it's just the nature of life, right? We're riding the light and the dark and it's a both ends in every experience. So we'll see. And whew, do I feel relieved? Do I feel relieved? So grateful to everyone who voted and in really looking forward to sharing this podcast with Raghu with you, because in it, we talk about some social justice issues, including, you know, how to be inclusive in spiritual circles and what that looks like. In addition to like the legacy of Ram Das and the Love Serve Remember Foundation and the work that they're doing in the world now, particularly around social justice issues. So I found it just such a rich conversation and um, yeah, just so grateful for it. I said in it though, that my son was almost eight and it's not true. He's almost nine. He's turning nine tomorrow actually. And so happy birthday, happy early birthday to little Benji who makes a minor cameo appearance in this podcast when he comes in and asks if he can continue to play outside. I also want to thank, you know, everybody that is a Patreon for this podcast. I have a Patreon. It's um, uh, Marissa Rada. You can find it or if you search Love Service Wisdom. And I've got six patrons on Patreon. Hannah, Zarin, Megan, Mary, Michelle, and the sweetness of Krishna who supports me through Patreon in addition to the thousand ways he does daily. And so big thanks to everyone there. I am releasing my first meditation album. It'll be a three-track meditation album with one track, so four really. First track being like a short intro track of how to meditate and some of the concepts and understandings of the practice. And then three guided meditations um, that are with, of course, East Forest Music. So East Forest Music led guided meditations by me. The album's going to come out, I haven't set it a release date, but I'm going to say like early December. And uh, everybody who is a Patreon, including those six and anybody else that joins between now and then, I'm going to send you a free copy of the album. And yeah, so look forward to that. I'm really excited and join my Patreon if you want to support this podcast and the work that I do and get the meditation album for free. That's going to be up, of course, on streaming platforms, but if you want it to have or to support the work that I do, it'll be for purchase too, but I'll give it to you guys that are Patreon supporters. And thanks to everybody too, who has given this podcast a five-star review. I'm eking my way up in the ratings, we've got 47 now and someone, New Earth Newbie, gave me a very kind review. It says, Rada's thoughtful and grounded insights and conversations will seed your soul and align you with your highest sense of self and purpose. What a gift. Thank you for sharing your whole self with us. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Sharing all the parts of me um, that I can. I hear from people that they like listening because it feels like they're catching up with me. And I'm sure that's got to feel nice. I was recently in like a, like a 
a little bit of a hole, so missing friends and community and connections. So it was interesting to hear how connected people felt to me through the podcast when I, the intern, was feeling so disconnected. So I took an active role in that and began reaching out to more of my friends to see them and was teaching yoga in the park. And I think I'm going to have a real special event here in December with one of my bestie besties, Celeste Bolin, right after Christmas. I'm not going to announce any more about that yet, but it, I, I feel like when I'm missing people and have a need, one way that I can help myself with that, instead of waiting for somebody to come to me and give me what I need is I give what I need to others. So I'm guessing many of you also feel alone or like you're missing community and connection. And uh, it can make day to day a little hard. It's like this ambiguous grief that's slowly growing a little bit louder, I think, and less ambiguous as the months go on. So I hope to see some of you here in Boise. And I'm glad that um, this is helping some of you all stay connected. So grateful for that. Without further ado, here is the absolute delight, Raghu Marcus. And uh, last week I was taking a sauna and thought about this podcast that I had coming up with you and I felt myself get really nervous and I thought, Why? We know each other. <laughs> that's interesting. Why are you so nervous? And my body was like, it's like talking to Morgan Freeman because his voice is so iconic. You're talking to the spiritual Morgan <laughs> Freeman. <laughs> oh, man. No, he's got an extraordinary timber and voice. Oh, my God. Morgan Freeman. He does all those commercials as well. They get him to do that because of that voice. Yeah. Well. So that's a big, big uh, um, credit for you to say that. <laughs> That's how I felt. That's how I felt. I feel good mm. now. I was just a little bit ago doing a chalisa to mm. help ground myself and get in the bob. And uh, then as I was playing it, I recalled to the first time that I had heard the Hanuman chalisa was when you played it in your backyard. Oh, outside? Yeah. When we were sitting on the porch with... Um, Krishna was there and Rachel was mm -hmm. there and Saraswati and mm -hmm. Matthew was there and a few other folks yeah. who had just gotten back from India. Right, a few years ago. That's and you great. played the harmonium and sang. Right. And you, you know it now? I do. Oh, amazing. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? How could you learn 40 verses in Hindi? It I mean, seemed how did, impossible. How did we, I don't remember how I did that. I can't believe I did that. I was <laughs> terrible at school, you know. Did you do it while you were in India or afterwards? Combo. Mm -hmm. it, it was happening in India. And then I'm not so sure if I had it memorized before I left or right after I came back. Yeah, but right in there. Yeah. And when did you start playing harmonium? Well, you know, in the beginning days, we were... Um, the first thing that we found, and it was probably because of Bhagavan Das, because he was playing this ektara, but with two strings. Ektara means, you know, one one string. We were doing it with two strings, and they'd be either in harmony or the same note. And um, 
But how it all started is one day we were sitting with Maharaji in Vrindavan, Krishna's place, and uh, some of the Hari, Western Hare Krishna, you know, there was a big Hare Krishna temple there, and all Westerners all over the place, and they came over and they said, oh, we want to chant Hare Krishna for Maharaji, Neem Karoli Baba. So they did that. They were great. Maharaj, so they left. They mm-hmm. had drums and harmoniums and kartals. You know, they had the whole thing. And Maharaji, after they left, he said, Krishna come here. And he, under his, under, not his blanket, but uh, the covering of his uh, thing, his tucket was uh, a bunch of a money. He gave to Krishna Das and said, get out there and get a drum and get some instruments now. <laughs> yeah. So that really was the was the beginning. I mean, Krishnas had you know was into music before, had been a musician, uh, singer, and uh, so it was natural for him to want to do that. I also was really into music, uh, but the first instruments that we got were, was not harmonium; it was ektara. Yeah, and was Bhagavan Das there still? Bhagavan Das had left. Okay, I never met him till I got to America, and he was instrumental uh, in. Uh, turning us on uh, to kirtan, basically. Uh, just, you know, the way that we do the call and response and all that stuff. So uh, it was later that, well, Jai Utah, of course, is part of this story. And although he wasn't with us in Kenj- in Vrindavan, maybe he was, I'm not sure, actually. But he was a real musician. Mm. He is a real musician. Okay, everybody else doing, including, I mean, Krishnas has gotten good and all that, but even he wouldn't call himself a musician. Uh, but Jai is a real studied musician who is Ali Akbar, a disciple of Ali Akbar Khan, one of the greatest oh, wow. musician, uh, Indian musicians that ever lived. In fact, Yehudi Menuhin used to say about Ali Akbar Khan, he's the world's greatest living musician at the time. And Khan Saab died about five years ago. Uh, he was extraordinary. So Jai is a cut above anyone doing this stuff in terms of, uh, I mean, there are some people that are more practiced now that are singing kirtan, but Jai has really uh, spent a lot of years working on his craft, for mm-hmm. sure. So, so then we got into harmonium. Okay. And it was just, I did it all by ear. I'm, I'm not, you know, I played bass stand up bass by ear in the high school band, you know, the, the, <laughs> that was me because I'm just, I have no discipline whatsoever, which is why this path is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I learn it all by, it feels like swimming upstream because I have no musical history or skill sets either that I was raised with. So it's only from just love and devotion that I give myself to it because of how it makes me feel. How it makes yeah. you feel. Yeah, right. There's mm-hmm. no other reason. Yeah. It's just direct connection. And Bhagavan Das, he was always sort of an inspiration because he doesn't necessarily have the most melodic voice. He just he, sings. Yeah, yeah. He can, he, you know, he at times has been, uh, his intention has met up with his bhav. Yeah, yeah. At times, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have an early LP of his. Have you seen the one where he's on the back as like a used car salesman? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. 
That's an early. Uh, it's like uh, it must be from the, like the seventies, and so it's uh-huh. him like looking, you know, Duretian devotional on the front, and then the back is like him with, sh- I believe, short hair, and he's like in a suit standing next uh-huh. to like a car. He was a used car salesman, okay, and so- he was a Bible salesman. <laughs> He went door to door selling Bibles at one point. That's so this awesome. album has pictures of both. I'll send it to you. I'll send you a picture yeah, of it. Yeah, send me a picture. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to let people know, though, we, because uh, I had a record company, actually, Christian Doss and I were partners in a record company in the, that went on for quite a long time from the 90s into the 2000s. And uh, at that time, I did a, a record, executive produced a record with Bhagwan Das and Mike D of the Beastie Boys. Yes. That is an excellent record. Oh, That's yeah. That's because of Mike D. Yes. Out of all of what... I mean, Ram Das... Uh, Ram Das. <laughs> Bhagwan Das's first record, uh, Ah, A-H, is, mm-hmm. is also good. He just never had a lot of material. And yeah. He just sang the same thing over and over. No, that album, I have. I have the CD. I have that oh, on yeah? CD. That album with Mike, Mike D. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That I bought in the late nineties. Yeah, there you go. Well, no, early two thousands. The early two thousands. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> cool. Well, as the executive director of Love Serve Remember, you're saying that you're going through a lot of shifts and changes now that Ramdas has passed, mm. coming up yeah. on a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. Between Ramdas passing and then two months later a pandemic and then yeah. the racial justice concerns, the economic concerns, the political concerns, the everybody's in very delicate shape. Mm-hmm. We all are, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, trying to address all of that uh, at the foundation with a board and uh, is, um, it's it's certainly a point in our, you know, this has been around, well, since the foundation is 2009. Before that, we were actually helping, just helping Ramdas get settled for a few years in Maui, although we started to do stuff like the website and so on. But 2009, Love Remember started, so it's been 11 years. Uh, seems like a lot longer. And this is certainly a... Uh, a very incisive transforming moment for everybody, of course, but for us as well. Uh, obviously, do we cannot get together physically. One of the main things that we represent was doing these lovely retreats in Maui and California with Ramdas and others. And um, that's a big deal that that can't happen right now, as it's a big deal in every mm-hmm. aspect of our lives. Uh, so it means more online, trying to figure out how to, you know, we can get together online and Zoom and all that stuff, uh, which is becoming quite overwhelming because so many people, that's it, we're all doing it. You know? So, um, But the, the, we, we have a very um, supportive community mm-hmm. and a community that wants what it is that uh, we continue to offer. We have a a course coming up uh, next Monday. It starts. It's called the Yoga of Service, and you know, it's all about boy. We sure need to help each other right now. And how can we do that right, mm-hmm. as right as we can get? Or how can we learn more about it? This is what Ramdas did his whole life. He was. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of 
of his uh, legacy. Yeah, I would imagine you would address how to, like the stamina of that, how to maintain it. Because it seems like, and I experienced in the beginning with the pandemic and also the Black Lives Matter movement, a big insurgence and then things slow down or our ability to, to help and be present shifts a little bit as we all, as it continues to go on longer. Yeah, and that's natural uh, in every aspect of our lives. Uh, it's, it, it goes all the way to habitual patterns, right, that mm-hmm. we have created. And when you say, okay, well, we're going to make a change, so I'm going to I'm going to protest against these habitual patterns in the way of I'm actively going to do, take on methodology, do practice in order to transform. And then what happens when some of it goes away, it's like you're missing something on one hand and then you've just gotten, but you're getting used to it as well. You got so used to the habitual pattern that the thought of letting it go, you know, is quite uh, daunting Mm -hmm. on one level. And uh, on the level of once something just keeps going on for a long time, the the way that you get used to it, you stop trying to do anything about it. That's the problem with our personal habitual patterns. Seems to be the problem. Look what it took George Floyd to wake us up. This has been going on for 400 years to wake us up in a way that, I mean, maybe since uh, Dr. King, we mm-hmm. haven't woken up uh, quite this way. Uh, and I'm speaking of privileged white people. Yeah. So, but it's, it is easy to fall back into the habitual pattern of not paying attention. Yeah. You have not though. You have not. Your past podcast, the last one you just put out with Daniel, right? Uh, uh D- Daryl, Daryl Davis. Daryl yeah. Davis. Sorry. Oh yeah, Daryl Davis. Incredible. I pulled that up today and watched it. And I have a son who's almost eight and he mm. sat down next to me and he watched the whole thing. Are you kidding? Yeah. Which I thought oh. for me, it felt like such you, a gift to be able to give the conversation between the two of you to him. Does he know who the Ku Klux Klan Well, is? then we talked about it. We yeah. talked about it more because he's been witnessing and hearing pieces of the story of racism. And I Mm. think probably like Daryl, not really understanding when Daryl shared the story about being a young boy and the, being the victim of racism and not understanding understanding. that. I think he, you know, most children probably have similar experiences. So it was helpful to have Daniel tell his story and kind of at that same age that he's at now and his transformation through all of his journey and who he became. Yeah, can you imagine? Actually, you would be telling your son, you can have a friend who is of a different race and their experience of walking around includes fear. So that's something to be aware of. I guess that's one thing we can do Mm -hmm. to make children aware of Mm -hmm. the reality. And the fact that you don't feel it or think about it yeah is a form of privilege that's kind of a hard one to break down for a kid yeah yeah but just the thing he feels bad because people are calling him out because he looks different than you right so whenever you see that maybe you you could support 
that person, mm -hmm. that child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've kept at it. You haven't. You haven't yeah, really no, I've slowed done a down. Bunch. Yeah. You've done a ton. Uh, but I'm. It's the way it seems to happen for me is that I. It comes, you know, I mean, I don't know. And I do a podcast a week. I do not even know how the hell I'm pulling that off. First, of course, the time thing is one thing because I'm running a foundation and the whole podcast network is reporting to me and all that. But, uh, you know, you, you know what it's like. You got to reach out. You got to say, okay, what's a good day? What's a good time? You know, you're doing all this stuff. I don't like have other people doing it because then I'll, Although I just messed up with you. <laughs> so that's not a good excuse. Um, but uh, it, these uh, people that I have been uh, doing podcasts with lately have just shown up. They've written in and said, uh, like, there's this one wonderful couple from Harlem, Tez and Koa. They just wrote in. They love Ramdas. They have a whole thing about doing the kind of inner work that allows one to uh, not feel caught in in the patterns that you get caught in being a african-american in this country now and at the same time working towards transforming that on a social level so i thought wow great you know and we talked and and uh that was a great conversation so yeah i'm just fortunate it just seems to be coming and i'm interested in, in getting myself more straight and straight about all of this reality I am from Canada. Being from Montreal, it's a little different. I didn't grow up. There was no neighborhoods with uh, uh, with uh, people of color, really, back then. Was uh, it more, uh, it wasn't segregated then in Canada? There really wasn't. There was a very, the, the black community that I knew about, first of all, I only knew about after I was like 13, before that, I, I don't think I, I don't think until I went to New York, my parents might have taken me to see a, a black person. So it was a much different thing. But the the community of uh, of uh, black people that I met in Montreal was because of my interest in jazz, and there was a, a group that wasn't that large, and they had a little club, and uh, and I used to go to it, and uh, that was my only relationship. So it was when I when I started living here, of course. Then then it became something else. And uh, so, but you know, I just want to um, I want to hear people's stories. Yeah, African American and other people of color. Yeah, and that's what you offered with Daryl, which was so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and even with Love Serve Remember and the retreats the one that we had, the last one there in December, there was more of a focus on social justice issues. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah and it's inclusivity. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been on our minds for you know, years, the board and other people in the community asking why, why isn't it a little bit more inclusive in terms of obviously people coming, but teachers as well. And so we've really been working towards that. Um, actually, we... Um, we're, we're connected, of course, with Jack Cornfield and Spirit Rock, uh, his, um, his retreat center in Marin County. And he's been really helpful introducing. And I've met some of the teachers of color that work there. And, and we've started having a nice relationship with them. Conda Mason is one. Spring Washam will be coming and, and doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
and then of course we met somebody else that just came through unbeknownst to us, Nikki Walton, who's doing a podcast out of Florida. So, um, yeah, we're, we're fortunate that we have this wealth of uh, connections through Ramdas mm-hmm. that enables us to meet a much more wider uh, spread of uh, cultures and people. And uh, so we're working as quickly as possible to get a little bit more integration and in- inclusion. Mm-hmm. And just some are some aspects of that including like accessibility or going to where people of color are or how, how, like, how do you see making it more widely available at the same time, knowing that that might not even be what people of color want. Do you know what I mean? Like not saying we have the answer for you here. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, we, none of that. That's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, while having, while having being open and saying, here are things if you would like them. Yeah. Well, to Matt, well, first of all, of course, we don't have the, the availability to have uh, physical retreats now, but should we, and we will, I guess, you know, nothing stays the same forever, although this thing might go on for a while, this pandemic. Uh, but we, we wouldn't, we have people, for instance, on Be Here Now Network. I just aforementioned a few of them. Uh, and Who share their podcasts who share their podcasts and then people who listen to them will go, Oh, gee, I wonder about this. And they'll go over and maybe hear, you know, all of them, of course, know Ramdas quite well. And, and so there will be some crossover and some um, opening of a door Mm -hmm. to people who maybe didn't have that door open before. So that's happening through be here now network. And then we know we have friends who I have a friend, uh, in uh, in Los Angeles, and hey, well, why don't you come up and invite some of your friends and come? We're going to have a retreat in Ojai where we are now. So it'll have it has to happen more organically. It can't be yeah. forced or token or any of that stuff. And yeah. and it has to, and we have to create and we have to figure out. That's why we're doing trainings around this stuff um, because we, as you just said, gee, who knows what the right thing to do? One thing we do know is to create the kind of safe space for people. They don't come into a place where there's a bunch of clicks of you know, spiritual, you know, blah, blahs. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we have to learn how to uh, um, create the kind of space that will lend itself to people to feel comfortable. Yeah. People of color. Yes. And, you know, speaking as a white woman, when I went to the retreat for the first time in Maui, I it did feel like an open and inviting and inclusive space, but I don't, I can't say that that's how it would feel to someone of a different color. Yeah. Now, you know, there have been people, I mean, of course there's many Indian people that have come through, which is a natural, uh, on one level. And then only a a few African-American folks and, um, and then of course Asian people and so on. So there has been, but it's not representative of, of people that, uh, are connected or would be or want to be connected with these kind of teachings. So, mm. so it's just, it's about intention. We're doing, mm-hmm. we're putting as much intention and attention to this. And uh, we figured it'll, it'll come around, especially by the time we can meet physically. I think that'll make a big change. But we're doing a, we're doing a BIPOC Zoom meeting thing that's being set up. 
uh, later in this year, in the fall. So we're doing some stuff now. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Would you, or what are your thoughts around spirituality as a race issue? What does that mean? Like, I don't know. I think for myself, I'm just formulating this question as it's coming out. As a white woman and my interest in spirituality and accessibility to it, it happened at a really young age. And one of those catalysts into it being the use of psychedelics, which it can be for many. Mm-hmm. And then that that opening a doorway that never closed. And on the other side of it, those who are BIPOC, maybe not having the same kinds of experiences with something like, let's say, psychedelics that opens that doorway, if there's less or more of a divide. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Um, you're, you're really talking about cultural differences yeah. in terms of the experiences that a white middle-class hippie might have had. Uh, I, am, I think that's one of the things that we need to look at for sure. But I know tons of people who have been into mindfulness and um, maybe more to the Buddhist side of things because I think that's more accessible for people than bhakti yoga, for instance. So there's that. Uh, But like I say, these people I just met that that have been had on these podcasts and and Nikki Walton, you got to listen to her. I mean, I mean, she is something's happening to her. That's the same thing that happened to me in terms of when I first met Rob Das and then met Neem Karoli Baba. So, I and know she's an African American woman. Yeah. 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 Oh. I mean, she's yeah, family and the whole the whole thing. She's just wonderful. So uh, again, attention and intention, and then we surrender as much as we can to the moment and try not to force anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that whoever comes through. Uh, if it's through a psychedelic experience, which is very common, obviously, because of the history with Ramdas and so on, and be here now, uh, or if it's uh, it can be uh, in a more general way, it can be just the sense that Ramdas makes, in particular with the old lectures, where people can relate to his honesty. Mm-hmm. to the way at which he expresses the craziness that we have going on on a day-to-day basis with our believing our thoughts and our minds and our roles and our identities. That is so universal um, that uh, that's an open door for people. And so we're trying to provide that as much as possible. And, and with Ramdas's passing, were there discussions around legacy no, he never thought, I mean, he would bring it up maybe, but not in terms of legacy. What? Because yeah, we talked like a lot about him. passing the torch. Yeah, we like, talked a lot about that for a year before, a year or two before he left. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, his main thing was getting the, these teachings available to next generation mm-hmm. so that they could pick up the baton, so to speak. 
yeah. they could they could participate in a way that really helped to change that day-to-day life experience and that they could be viewing as he called it their incarnation from a different perspective that was the important thing as far as you know with with maharaji nim karoli baba there there is no specific uh, transference of anything. Right. He he is not like that. There, he just is there not wasn't, like that. but you know, being from a younger generation, right? There's all of the older folks like you that had personal experiences with Maharaji, and then in a way, there was somewhat of an energetic transference to Ramdas in the teachings that he carried to the West, and then he became a figurehead in a way. And then now that he's passed, I would imagine those who didn't get to spend time with Ramdas feel like a, how I feel about not getting to spend time with yeah. Maharaji, though I spend time with Maharaji all the time. Yeah. Inside. He's, he's easier than Ramdas, by the way. Uh, that way, Maharaji did not need a body. He is absolutely connecting with people in all sorts of different ways, if not actually physically. With so many, we're actually putting a book together of people's experiences after he left that body in 1973, and they're extraordinary. I they told really a are. story for that book. Oh, you did? Oh, uh-huh. great. Uh-huh. So, uh, with uh, Ramdas, it's around love the love that he had for everyone, and the love that every individual had for him totally connects, totally connects us. Yes. Maharaji, of course, is a whole other entity <laughs> that we cannot describe. And we couldn't back when we went the physical thing. Right. It was like, and they're Ooh. not equal by any means, Ramdas and Maharaji, yeah. but they were both great teachers. And so no, I have to no Maharaji didn't teach a thing. True. He didn't teach a thing. Just love everyone and serve everyone. Yeah, but it wasn't even those things that he said. Because he said, Subek, it's all one. Mm -hmm. He he told me to meditate like Christ when I asked for a mantra uh, or how to meditate. All all of those things did happen. But the the thing that is the most astounding is that when you met him, first of all, of course, you had that complete feeling of talk about presence of home. You know, everybody tells that same story. I felt like I was home. But the other, th- the, the phenomenal thing as the days went by, you realized, holy shit, there's nobody in there. This is a nobody. This isn't someone thinking about doing anything. This is a, just a happening. This is like a computer. I don't know if I would have used that word back then, but it's like completely uh, encountering no subject object mm-hmm. thing. That is something that is, first of all, it's very rare and we are so fortunate to have experienced that. But what that also is, is what Ramdas came back with, which he could do nothing. When I said to him, why did you talk about Maharaji all the time when you came back and he told you not to? He said, Ramdas, don't talk about me in America. And that's all he did. And Ramdas just said, "How? I don't know how I could not have talked to him. Don't, I could, I, would, I had a jewel, I had to share it. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's that kind of tremendous love and compassion. It's the bodhisattva thing. Mm-hmm. You can do nothing but uh, 
share whatever the deepest part of yourself with another being. And Ramdas did that, and that uh, that happens through Krishnadas's music and uh, other people. You know, we have so many different rays of of all of that. Larry Brilliant service uh, mm-hmm. and Seva and all. So yeah, the the whole crowd kind of makes up a bit of the yes blood of Christ. Yes. <laughs> Hearing Krishna Das tell stories, and I read his um, memoir as well. He's so he's so good. He's such a yeah. good storyteller. He sure is. He really is. Yeah. 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 A lot of respect for him under his mm. like grumpy exterior. <laughs> he's not grumpy, is he grumpy? <laughs> it, well, it, I'm kidding. I'm a- kidding. He's totally grumpy. <laughs> Of course, people say that about, they call me, you know, they call me names too. Right? No, uh, they would never say that about you, Raghu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's our human form. We're humans yeah, too yeah, still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Maharaji like, was the, had the most abusive language going on all the time. Oh, really? I mean, I couldn't mention on this podcast, even though it's, we can do what we want. I still wouldn't. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I heard, and I've loved it, and I've used this phrase ever since, I heard you say in one podcast intro, gosh, one of the here and now podcasts from Titnat Han, that the next Buddha is the Sangha. Yeah. Yeah. And that really resonated with me. Yeah, Yeah. and that's part of when you asked about, well, what's the foundation doing now that Ramdas is no longer physically with us? And that is part of the whole transformation of the foundation uh, to represent the teachings without Ramdas, right? So mm. that's the next Buddha is the Sangha. Mm-hmm. Satsang. The, the Satsang, yeah. yeah. Is everyone, is everyone yeah. in the community. And the way that we can learn from each other, the way that we can yeah. learn from each other, yeah, is yeah. really powerful. And it's such it's so interesting now too that that's been one of the things that's been taken away from us and our inability to gather. Yep, it's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, a bit much. Yeah, it is. Well, as Trump says, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> our guru. Did you watch oh, the God. debate last night? Not all of it, but enough of it to like. Why did I, why did I, I'm an immigrant, okay? <laughs> Pity the poor immigrant. Oh, so God. you wouldn't yeah. vote or you still have Canadian status? You're not voting No, 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 I'm, I'm a dual citizen. Okay. Yeah, I can vote. I have voted and I will vote. Everybody should vote. Every single person. Everyone should vote. Everyone should vote. And, and, you know, in regards to that and the, you know, through the lens too of, oneness or awakening or this time that we're in now, what's happening with the polarization and uh, the Mm. divide, how would you speak to that? People in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I mean, I can go on about how we can cut through polarization, but uh, I don't know. I certainly couldn't cut through it last night in terms of the revulsion that I was feeling. Um, and I guess at that point, it's what, whatever you can do that isn't going to set a negative 
trap. In other words, you're going to do stuff with anger. You're going to, you know, reach out. You're going to sign a petition. You're going to, there's so many things going on now to support, you know, all the way to getting the vote out with uh, minority communities. And yes, we can do that. I think we need to. And me, I, and when I say we, I really am included at the head of the line, as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. to work on ourselves, to really clean up that mirror and see that every reaction we make is just coming out of the, that fear place, fear and separation. And, and uh, that's if railing out against somebody else for that and ignorance is, is not looking deep enough inside ourselves. At the same time, we do have to do whatever we can because the injustice is so large. Yes. And the inhumanity is awful. It's just awful. In regards to saying, you know, you watched the debate or a little bit of it and you left feeling disgusted. And, you know, is there, it sounds like there's a sense that that was just revealing what's still not unpolished within yourself versus almost how could anyone not watch that and feel disgusted because of the energy that's being thrown at you? Yeah. And I'm not suggesting, I mean, Anybody watching that, and I think every, most everybody, well, who, who how do I know? It, it, was, it was revolting. And uh, that's a natural response. That's human. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking into myself to try and find out why I'm reacting so hard to that. I'm not okay. doing that. But what I am, what I do look into myself is, is having antipathy towards others that feel like, um, they, they're supporting that um, vibration is going to benefit them and um, yes. people who think like them. And for me to have antipathy towards that, towards that person or that group, that is a problem. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So working on or witnessing the ability to not create more separation because yeah. you perhaps don't agree with someone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, exactly that. And so, you know, it just goes back to His Holiness. Our, our, our so-called enemies are our best teachers. And uh, I have met people who have been... Uh, I, I met... Um, Lama, a Rinpoche named Garchen Rinpoche, the most beautiful man, uh, many years ago. He's still alive. He was put in a prison in, by the Chinese. And in prison, he met his guru who, who gave him the teachings. And he was able to walk out of there without any kind of anger towards his captors. I mean, and he was for real. I, I sat and talked with him about it. And... Uh, that now he's obviously a highly advanced being he was like an emanation of tara the wow. uh, tibetan goddess and uh, but you know we have to shoot for something right so the aspiration is there and we're going to fall down every day every 5 minutes whatever it may be but we sh- we we can, as Sharon Salzberg says, 
we can come back after we find ourselves being lost and get some equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can shoot for. Mm-hmm. And that takes practice. So practice is a big deal. By the way, on that score, I just did a podcast uh, introducing a podcast by Ramdas, And it was about different methods. It's uh, probably just going up today. Uh, that'd be great for people. Uh, it's great for all of us because he enumerates all of the Gyan Yoga and Bhakti Yoga and Hatha Yoga and Tantra and he enumerates all of it to give you an idea that it doesn't matter any which one that is the right feel for an individual is all we need to do. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a mom call. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think he kept going. <laughs> we'll see if he comes back. Mm. Yeah, and that choosing one of those paths too. I think the natural progression is to lead you to service. Yes. And uh, one of the big things that... Talking to Raghu. You want to say hi? Remember we were watching his show earlier? (laughs) (laughs) No. You don't want to be on camera. One of those you <laughs> yeah, one one of the things about service uh, that's a big opportunity, aside from the fact that you're going to be helping people and helping yourself in doing that because of the process that takes place whenever you put yourself out to help somebody, you see the different motivations and fears and this, that, and, uh, and the other about the other person. Boy, I hope I don't end up like that. You know, that kind of a crazy thing that goes on in our minds, thoughts. Uh, But the thing is that whenever you do reach out to offer service to another human or another situation, an animal, whatever it may be, you suddenly completely forget about yourself. You are no longer living what uh, Krishna calls the movie of me. Uh, uh, your your mini me like goes away for the moment you know it's what happened with when i first met ramdas yeah he went away that first oh it happened many times but that first initial meeting there was no richard alpert there was no ramdas there was all about me and wow who's paying that kind of attention to me wow you know Somebody said, uh, Simone Weil, I think, said the most generous act that one human can make to another is to give complete attention. So in and when you do that, there's no me. So those are moments that are precious. You have to stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. That's a great teaching right there and a really good reminder. And you're right. That is what happens in those moments of service, whether it's, yeah, in whichever yeah. way it comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and Ramdas is, you know, was quite an, he did so much work in that area, and quite an expert, shall we say. And that's why we're doing this course starting next week, the yoga of service over a four-week period, because uh, what better time when we all need to help each other at this point? What better time to get a better fix on it? If someone can't join on Monday, will it be something that's evergreen that they could do at any time? 
Eventually, it'll be evergreen. Right now, it's going to be, I think the uh, this podcast won't go up in a week or two later or something, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for people who want to, they can write to info at ramdas.org and they can get uh, an email back saying this is how you'll be able to access it. Maybe not right away. I'm not sure how it works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've taken a few of the courses as they've come through and they're just... I mean, everything is just so good. You guys do a lot of work. There's so much content being put out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and the Soul Land series. Yeah. On yeah, social that, media. Yeah. I'm loving doing that, uh, that it's happening. I'm not doing anything, actually. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's not true. I do host a couple of them. But just the fact, look how hard it is. Well, your, your partner is a musician. He can't go out and play no, and make money. No. This is not a good thing. And so this, so we're, we're doing our little bit to help some of the musicians, of course, in our area, to, uh, and, uh, um, to do the live IG Ramdas Solan series at Sunday nights at uh, 5 o'clock Pacific. That'll end at the end of October, and then we'll bring it back next year. Okay. So, um, yeah, but it, uh, I'm happy that we're able to give honorariums to the musicians who do this. And then, you know, yeah, that's very kind of you. And those, them to. those live up on your Instagram TV. So if, yep. if you've missed yep. them, you can go to Baba Ramdas on Instagram and yep. go to the Instagram TV and watch those performances. Yep. A, watch East Forest. Yeah, watch East Forest. He, mm-hmm. what a treat that doing that album. I'll tell you what. And getting the recordings from Ramdas in person mm. um, just feels... You were there. Were you there? Yeah, then? I was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There was two times that Krishna recorded with Ramdas. I was there the second time. That's a, huh. Yeah. Yeah. And if uh, everybody out there, uh, this is one... I mean, you're all going to say I'm very subjective, which I am, but I'm also... I had a record company and I did a lot of A&R and I actually did that with East Forest because many different people come and offer doing stuff that uses Ramdas audio from talks. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, as soon as he sent me an idea that he had, this is before anything happened, I knew that this was a, a super, he is a superb musician and had the kind of sensitivity to the material that it, it, it's not easy, don't easy come. No. Let's say, put it that way. Uh, so everybody out there, East Forest, Ramdas, wherever you can get it, Spotify, iTunes, it mm. is uh, really exceptional. And and you get a lot of great teachings from Ramdas in a way that's much easier than sitting down and listening to an hour-long talk. It's the whole get project. Get it in five minutes. Yeah, the whole project was is such a miracle in itself and um, turned out so well, like you said, because mm. of his sensitivities to the song and the music and the material yeah. and his love of Ramdas and making yeah. it almost like a cinematic journey with the different styles of some of the songs too to partner with the content. Yeah, yeah I keep urging him, do some more. Come on. We're listening to a track now from Nathan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. trying to piece out where which one to pull from. Uh-huh. What, okay, cool. what little segment. So it's in yeah. the works. It's oh, in the okay, works. Great. But one of the things that made this so special is it was live real time. This is what he said. These were the teachings. It wasn't yeah. us picking out what and it I, might we might want it yeah. to be. I know. I fought him on that a little bit too, you, and he was right and I was wrong. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for conceding. People always ask, tell us how it started with the Ram Dass album. And it always begins with Raghu Marcus <laughs> and reaching out to Raghu and convincing you that it would be a, a good idea. Yeah. And to your credit, yeah. you allowed us to come out. Yeah. Like I said, I was not wide open because I hadn't heard anything except for, I, except for Justin Beretta, Glitch Mob. He did a, uh, he took a meditation of Ramdas and put a beautiful soundtrack underneath it. Uh, but in terms of the kind of things which some of it are pop, basically, songs, they got hooks and the whole nine yards. Nobody was doing anything like East Forest did with this. No, no. So I look forward to new tracks too, new songs okay, too. Great. And Beretta, he just did another song as well, right? He did another one on an awareness meditation. Yeah, so it's also quite great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, all the ways that that helps to reach different generations and audiences is right. is part of what he wanted. So it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah. 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 And it feels like the growth has been really exponential. It has. In the last five years, it has really... Uh, I think it was Ramdas's intention that just drove it. Because what happened is people, next-gen people started coming to be able to do the kinds of things that were necessary to get the material on the right platforms, presented in the right way. It, you know, so many things are involved in all of it. So uh, it was his intention. And I'm just uh, happy to be able to receive the intention and help execute it. Yeah. Well, what's going on for you now, Raghu? You just steering the big ship? Uh. Well, as I said, that's taking a lot of, yeah, it's, it's like moving a huge thing into a little bit of a different direction with what's going on in the world, pandemic and otherwise. Um, How has this pandemic time affected you personally? I don't go anywhere. <laughs> You're an old I haven't now. traveled. I used to travel all the time. Do you miss it? No, you know, I'm I'm really not missing much of anything because of, I, I'll tell you that for me, not a lot has changed. I mean, I was working quite a lot and, but doing things I like to do. And mm-hmm. I was going to say what's going on with me now is, I mean, what I love to do, I've always been in media in my life. I had a record company for almost 20 years. Uh, an indie label, and uh, I've been I did marketing. So, media and marketing, you know, has been my thing. And then I got into book publishing because of Ramdas and working with publishers and working on different kinds of. I mean, we have about four or five books coming out in the next year. Um, you're probably not year. It'll take longer than that. But uh, so that is a joy to me and. One of the the most satisfying things that I have done was also get into film producing, documentary. And so Becoming Nobody, which came out a year ago just now, uh, was very much, I mean, it was so gratifying to put together that film. It took four years. Wow. And see so many people get turned on by this material. And it had... And the way it came together, it was so organic 
we had no idea about becoming nobody, that title. It just, in fact, later on, just after we, we came up with the title, uh-huh. I was doing a podcast for Ramdas, and they sent me a podcast, and I'm listening, you know, making notes and all that. And then at some point, he said, if you're going to be free, you got to become nobody, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, holy shit, that's the name of the picture. How did he know that? This was from 1984 or something. <laughs> like he dropped you know? a seed in 84 for you to listen to in 2019. Yeah, yeah and it felt like that uh, very much, actually. I just heard him do it again in a recent <laughs> last couple ones that I did. I, oh, my God, he's still doing it. The last, actually, the one that's coming out today, he talks about uh, being a somebody and having to get rid of somebody-ness. Mm-hmm. So it's just the way it came together was really lovely. And so, as I said, so gratifying. I just love to turn people on to stuff that I love. And, you know, and in fact, sometimes maybe what I love isn't or doesn't turn out quite the way that I might have projected it to. The only thing that I have going for myself is that my primary love is an attachment is Neem Karoli Baba. And that, everything emanates from that. Whatever I do that veers off course along the way because of my own motivations and self-interest and so on, I figure he's putting that there for me to transform. Mm. So, uh, so th- this kind of work, it's hard. If you can get it, it's a good job, right? Because yeah. I'm confronted with that on a day-to-day basis. Surrender again and again, yeah. trust, yeah. letting go, letting go of the mm. ego too, of what you think that you want, letting go of control yeah. while controlling everything. It's a yeah, balance. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm very much uh, appreciating that. And uh, the other thing is that uh, the ability to, uh, so we have, we had several mentors in India when we were with Maharaji. Of course, Siddhi Ma was came out, we knew about her, but we had, didn't, she didn't come out and sit with us publicly before Maharaji left. But after he left, she was like our Indian mother and mother goddess at the same time, all one ball of wax, so to speak, until she left two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's hardly speakable in terms of what that reality was. But there was three humans that deeply, deeply connected us, that there were bridges to the essence of what Maharaji is. And one is K.K. Shah, who came to some of the retreats, and the other, who just left three weeks after Ramdas, the other is Dada Mukherjee, Sudhir Mukherjee, who wrote By His Grace, and uh, which is, to me, the best book. If you want to know what it's like to be around Maharaji, Certainly that book, and, and then, of course, our stories from Parvati's book, Love Everyone, uh, Western stories. And then Casey Tuari, who very few people know about, that Krishnadas talks a lot about. It was his Indian, he talks mm-hmm. about him and refers to him as his Indian father. And he was the one that Maharaji, the day that he left Kenchi and died two days later, said to Casey Tuari, who was a school teacher, and lived a completely straight, so to speak, life, 
but was a knocked out high, high yogi. Totally, I mean, used to go into samadhi all the time. Maharaji was boom and he was gone. Uh, he was the most incredible human I ever met. Not counting people that they're not human. I don't know what they are, but the, yeah, Tuari was still human, although extraordinarily high being. Maharaji said, you take care of the Westerners now. And he did. Mm. And so I'm having an opportunity now to make two movies, one on KC Tuari, which is being finished in the next few months, and the other on KK Shah, which we shot the footage, thank God, before he left. And we have the amazing footage from the, Himalaya, from the foothills of the Himalayas of KK. So these two things are, uh, I must say, some of the most highly motivating things for me to share. And that's really what uh, I love to do. And Maharaji said, yeah, he said to me one day, what do you do in America? And I had been the program director of a rock and roll radio station in Montreal. Can you do your call signal still? Eh? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was a program director, <laughs> not one of the announcers, and DJs, although I had a show on Sunday morning. Uh, anyhow, I was trying to figure out how do how do I explain program director, rock and roll radio station? What I was thinking that. And Maharaji, who occasionally, of course, he didn't know how to speak English, supposedly, but he totally did because he would correct the translators all the time in English. He said to me, he looked at me and he pointed, broadcaster? Before I said a word. Wow. So, but that had a bigger implication, not just that I worked, you know, that kind of work that I did, but also that I was... Somebody who liked to broadcast stuff, right? Now I'm sending doing podcasts. I was doing radio, sending out the signal about what I thought would be great to share with people. So, uh, yeah, I still have the ambition to continue to do that. And I guess when you say, what are you doing? That's, that still turns me on. So two new documentaries coming out early 2021 or sometime in 2021. Well, we don't know because we don't know what to do about anything. Oh. About, you know, can people get together? We'd love to have, you know, the kind Gosh. of thing where it's shown in a theater and East Forest comes along and we do some music. And <laughs> That's what we did know. for Becoming Nobody. We went yeah, up to exactly. Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. And we, we would want to do that, but we don't know. Well. We'll figure it out or it'll figure it out. It, it will figure it out. It Something will figure, will figure it, it out. out. Yeah. Well, wonderful. I look forward to watching both of those because Becoming Nobody was fantastic. Thank I've watched you. it probably five times already. Uh, yeah. I'm not yeah, even well, exaggerating. I've watched it more than that. <laughs> um, but, and even though, because I was working on it, obviously, but I still get stuff if, yes. if, I'm, if I watch it again. You know, there's still something brings a little bit differently. So Ram Dass is, you know, he's very special. Putting it lightly. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure you miss him. Yeah, miss him, don't miss him. Uh, I'm thinking about him all the time. Like, okay, is this the right thing to do? What mm. do we, you know? Like an sure inner dialogue. Yeah. 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 Someone just yesterday on the street randomly told me that they saw a documentary of when Ramdas passed. And I thought to myself, I haven't seen that. Is that true? Did that happen? Was that filmed? It's a little bit of an exaggeration, sir. Okay. Uh, there is a film, uh, just a short 
little film, and it's just putting together some footage in a neat way, mm-hmm. of Ramdas when he visited Taos last, uh, oh, last yes. July, July yeah. 2019. And that was his last and only trip for, for a decade out of Maui. Uh, or more, probably 13 more years. Yeah. Uh, well, he went once when he had first been there. But anyhow, that's the, uh, another whole story. But basically he went, and then there, there's footage that was put together with that footage of Ramdas's last retreat in Maui. Okay. And uh, that is called Eyes of Love. And you can probably find it. You have to... Is it on YouTube? Look on YouTube or look on the new site. Eyes of love. Okay, I missed it somehow. And if you have a problem, you'll let Rachel know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Problem with what? Finding it? Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll let Rachel know for sure. Well, thank you, Raghu. I want to honor your time. This has been an absolute treat for me because I admire you and respect you a lot. Thank you. I appreciate you. That's really great. And you and Krishna have been a, a wonderful addition to the satsang and um, we really honor what you all are doing too. Thank you. Thank so, you. I miss everyone a lot. I know. I know. Well, you'll have to come. You know, we have a new headquarters and as soon as that can happen, you'll come down. And Absolutely. We'll play. Absolutely. We will. Absolutely. We will. Okay. Thank right. you again, Raghu. Thank you. Ram Ram. Ram.